welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 146. Happy to be back with you live on Facebook. Happy to be on uh, iTunes. Happy to be a member of the Education Podcast Network. My friend Chris Nessie uh, from New Jersey. My friend Stephen Hurley, Voice Ed Radio Canada. So proud and happy to be on all of those outlets. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. I am looking forward to talking to one of my good friends, Paul Diaspara. I'm working on my pronunciation. Paul Diaspara. Paul is a New York City educator. Uh, he's a teacher. He's a fitness guru. Man, he's in good shape. Get the guns going. And uh, Paul is a college basketball uh, official. And we're certainly going to talk about college basketball officiating, but really want to talk about the work Paul is doing um, in with his work, Crown Refs. He started something that we've never really seen before uh, in the world of officiating, but it, it's got to do with officiating, but it's more about helping people. And that's what Paul is doing as an educator. So we will get to that in a moment. I want to thank my friends uh, for sponsoring. I'm gonna, even though Paul's a fitness guy, we're going to send him some Havsies cookies. Check out this discount, Marotta 15. Thanksgiving, you might be able to get the, the order in for Thanksgiving, for your desserts, for Christmas. But order from Havsies Cookies, um, uh, amazing company, and, and really the cookies uh, are, are fantastic. Uh, use that discount code for a, uh, a discount, Marotta 15. But you get them vacuum sealed. They come to your home. They're they're really just fantastic. And my good friend uh, runs that company, and uh, I really appreciate him sponsoring the program. So even though you're a fitness guy, Paul, we'll make a little room for, for cookies for you. So we'll meet Paul in a moment. My opening theme today, again, show number 146. Uh, very grateful to have done uh, those, those shows every 145 before that, right? Um, but the name of the opening topic is, is being on the edge. As an official, I learned I refereed college basketball for 20 years, and I learned about being on film, being in the pressure cooker, being in the arena, right? I learned about taking criticism. Uh, I learned about watching my performance, right? And, and the world we're living in now as educators, teachers, uh, school personnel, we're in a virtual world now. We're on, we're on tape. We're on Google meetings. We're on Google recordings. And I'm fortunate enough to have gone through that as an official where I was constantly being critiqued for my actions, my words. How did it look? And now, crazy enough, that's happened in the world of education where we're on film. And maybe more than just the students are watching, right? Is there somebody over the shoulder watching? is the kid's camera off and the parents are watching and listening. And, and while that's okay, some people aren't used to being on the edge, being on tape, being uh, critiqued in such a way. And that's a challenge for some. So if you are an educator watching this program, I would urge you, record some of your Google meetings, have people watch them, be your own self-critic and, and look. What did my voice sound like? What did my, was I like this on the screen? Was I, you know, those kinds of things where you can give yourself a performance review because uh, that's one of the things Paul does at Crown Refs. And that's one of the things that I did as an official for 20 years, um, you know, checking that. So as an educator, I think that's an important tool that we're adding to our game, right? That we're adding to our bag of trips. 
reviewing us on tape and, and film. So I know I talk too much. I got a big mouth. We're going to bring Paul in here. If you are watching the show live, uh, I would uh, welcome you to join us. Uh, comment. Here he is, live on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Paul Diaspire, welcome to the program. Absolute pleasure to be here, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, fantastic. I know this has been a while in the making, but I wanted to get to you before the season started. And I know, Paul, it's going to start here, we're hoping, next week. Do you think this you're going to actually get on the court? you think it's something that's going to happen? Um, I'm not a predictor. I don't like guessing because I don't like being wrong. I, I know when the pandemic first started, my gut told me, don't expect to ref in the spring, don't expect to ref in the summer, and be blessed if you get to the chance to ref in the winter. So that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm, I'm trying to be hopeful, um, but this goes back to some early advice we get as, an offic as officials, control what you can control, and this situation is completely out of my control, so I'm just preparing to control how I'm going to respond to either it happening or not. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. And, and folks, this is Paul Diaspara. I uh, got to know Paul through a, a number of channels. But Paul, give us an introduction. Obviously, people can tell you're from New York. Your accent's a little bit thicker than mine. Uh, but yeah. New York City uh, PE teacher, really into fitness, which I want to talk about. But tell us a little bit about yourself, Paul, and uh, uh, then we'll get rolling. Sure. Uh, before that, I just want to say I really appreciate what you're doing. And I know you were a recent guest on my podcast. And I got a lot of positive feedback about your episode, about how you spoke, um, about being a great leader. So a lot of great feedback. And, and there was a wide range of emotions with that episode. Like you made us laugh about your story about getting slapped in the face um, as a part of a pregame. You made me tear when I was editing um, your story about your father. I mean, like I was, I was tearing up one night, you know? So just that wide range was, uh, was a pleasure for me. But my name's Paul Diaspera. I'm, I'm 41 years old. I'm a 10th year uh, physical education teacher. I'm married for six years. I probably should have said that first. Uh, married <laughs> for six years. Super, super, super happily married. I have a three-year-old daughter named Alexia and I am a full-blown head over heels for her. Um, I kiss her 67 to 85 times a day. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm a family first guy, but um, professionally 10 year phys ed teacher, been coaching at my school, which is located uh, PS 18 in the Bronx, not too far from Yankee stadium. Been also uh, able to coach uh, basketball there and, and soccer. Um, also I, I referee basketball, girls lacrosse and field hockey. And um, 2018 recently uh, started Crown Refs, which is um, a platform for officials to improve through podcasts, um, social media content, articles, newsletters. Um, also have a, a film review service where I work one on one um, coaching officials and giving them feedback on their their game. So um, that's kind of that's kind of a, a brief bio, uh, a little personal and, and professional. Yeah. And Paul, you're a busy dude, right? You mentioned your family and, and keeping that in the forefront. What made you want to start this this Crown Refs? You know, for those that don't know the the business, uh, you know, the, to me, going through it, there wasn't a lot of sharing, right? There wasn't this where I could you could do anything. Now you could go on YouTube, you could learn anything, right? There's a lot of podcasts, 
but there was nothing on officiating. You learned by making mistakes on the court. And if you were lucky enough, you had some mentors grab you and give you the ins and outs like we talked about. What made you want to start this, uh, this you know, Crown Refs? Sure. Well, I fused together two passions of mine, which is creativity um, and, you know, coaching, officiating, and wanting to give back. So I just paired those together and, and went to social media, started creating content. Um, but I, I just love giving back to my field. I want to make a, a tremendous positive impact in the field of officiating. As I entered it in, in 2012, 2013, 2014, there just wasn't a ton of training materials out there and resources. So I found there to be a bit of an educational gap. Like we, we get trained in the, cor- um, in the course that you first take. And once you're done with that seven-week course, then they, you're out on the court. And any kind of education you want, you need to go seek out, whether that's through camps or finding any other you know, pieces of information. And basically, I just said, all right, I'm going to create this information because there's a lot of officials that are looking and searching for new ways to keep them sharp. Um, and I also wanted to connect as many officials throughout the world on one place. Um, I noticed a lot, a lot of refs were popping up on Instagram. Um, I know there's plenty of Facebook pages devoted to officiating. Not a lot of original content within that. A lot of just play sharing and comments, questions, stuff like that. But I wanted to be kind of a new educational source within the industry. Um, and I've, had a, I've just had a great time doing it. I'm really enjoying myself. I enjoy the process of making the content. Um, and then putting it out and, and hearing the feedback has been great because I've been able to connect with thousands of officials in the two years that I've had it, whether it's, you know, through private message or, you know, commenting or email. Um, so that's been been great to hear the response from the uh, from the officials. Yeah. And you think about your role as an educator. You're doing the same thing. You're, you're bringing people together. You're sharing information you're, you're bringing in guests. It's a really a, an amazing thing. And the, the creative part of it, I, 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 you, you're a talented man, Paul. So uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you thought about the opening concept, right? You're, you're a teacher. You have to perform every day. But now more and more people are performing virtually and they're being recorded and that kind of stuff. What you, would you think about that opening concept about being on the edge, being in the arena? Yeah, it kind of just brought me to crunch time and to just being in a big moment spot. And those are the those are the spots that I want to perform in. And we are constantly under that, you know, um, through teaching, through officiating and just kind of bringing myself to be in that moment, be ready to perform when the lights are the brightest. And, you know, just giving everything I have when 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 uh, when it's needed, when it's most needed. Yeah. And it's something maybe people aren't ready for, but as we're working up in officiating and, and, and even a teacher, right? If they're just in their classroom and maybe they, they present an auditorium and then maybe they present at a conference, that scrutiny does get bigger. So I was felt blessed and fortunate to kind of have been trained on the court for my role right. as a school principal. Uh, but some people aren't ready for that feedback or criticism. Yeah, I mean, criti- a lot of people struggle with with criticism. Um, you need to be your your own worst critic. Um, you also need to be your biggest champion. A lot of times when we're talking about critique and critique, and people forget to build themselves up. You know, we learn through the negatives. We we I like to extract as much value as I can from a from you know what I make mistakes in, and then take the value, 
process it and go reapply. But a lot of times we, we, we want to break ourselves down. We want to beat ourselves up. You have to be able to be your own work, be your own biggest champion as well. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that's, you, you gave the answer without even me asking the question. I love it. Right. Like, so what advice would you give to those people that maybe aren't used to being on Google meets or aren't used to reviewing themselves? And number one, I love that. Be your own champion. But what else would you offer, Paul? Um, well, listen, what I would tell the teachers that, you know, have, have to adapt to this kind of uh, new education, you're a professional educator. Um, this is what you do. The medium shouldn't matter, right? All we're talking about is changing of mediums, going from in-person to going to remote to doing a Zoom. I mean, that's all it is. It, the dynamic of the medium has changed. You still have the talent to go out and execute what you've been taught and what you've learned um, throughout your career. And, and uh, so again, you don't grow if you're, if you're in the comfort zone. The only way you grow is if you're outside of your comfort zone. So maybe you need to put yourself in a position to be a little bit uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. You're going to grow from it. You know, it, it's just the fear that holds people back. I love it. You're a hundred percent on uh, there, Paul. Let's talk a little bit about your crown refs podcast. And again, I love what you're doing for officials. I love the, the message. You know, tell me some of the things that you've learned, Paul, not, not only necessarily about uh, officiating, because if you listen to it, and I highly recommend you do, even if you're not an official, you should talk some technical stuff. But what have you learned about leadership? What have you learned about communication? What have you learned about loyalty? Things like that, that have nothing to do with the X's and O's on the court. I mean, as far as communication, just knowing that everybody's different and you need to speak, you need to treat everybody with the same respect, but you need to speak to everybody a little bit differently, right? So definitely um, this has helped my communication, you know, style as a leader, both, both, you know, doing a podcast has actually helped me be a better teacher. And then when I'm teaching, I feel the effects of when I'm, you know, doing a podcast because I feel like I have a blended career. I feel like being a phys ed teacher walking into a gymnasium every day on a basketball court as my office. It's the same thing I do at night when I'm at the gym refereeing. So I just feel like, you know, I have a, I have a blended career and just really blessed to, um, to have that, uh, you know, to have those two kind of passions yeah. meet in the middle. Yeah. And how about leadership, Paul? The, the name of the show is Education, Leadership and Beyond, right? Things that go outside the typical role. You've had some some heavy hitters on there. My buddy Roger Ayers, you know, what, what would you say you learned in, in terms of leadership from doing your podcast? Well, bringing the best talent in the world on to, to give, you know, give them a platform to come on and share. I can just kind of sit back and be a student and, and kind of take all of all of the nuggets and um, and digest it and process it as much as I can. But I think leadership comes with providing value. You know, giving more value than you take. So that's what I've tried to do with my podcast was give you, the listener, way more value than you're giving me. And I think that's a that's a, a great way to lead by example. Um, so that's that's definitely definitely one. Um, but just yeah, being a leader with the, with the kids back to back to teaching PE. I, I love the position I'm in to uh, have 
just be a, a, a source of positivity and enthusiasm every single day. I show up to work because I know the kids need it. Um, and, you know, yeah, so that's kind of where, where I'm at with, with, with leadership and uh, communication. Yeah. Uh, and, Paul, you know, in your role as a, as a job now, you, you, I mean, as a, as, a, as a teacher, your job, your day job, right, physical education, right? And I look at you, and I've never seen you teach. I've seen you ref. I've never seen you teach. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, number one, the way you speak. But number two, you are modeling the expectation for the kids. You are modeling fitness, which I think is so important, right? Someone who teaches Spanish really knows how to, they better know how to speak Spanish, right? Well, someone that's te teaching physical education really should model physical fitness. I think that's important. How do you find the time to be physically fit while you're teaching? You have your daughter and your wife, you're reffing, you're doing the coaching. How do you find the time to build that fitness in your daily schedule? How do I find the time to be physically active while I'm teaching? Because when I'm teaching, I'm physically active. So one of the things I love about my job is I get to, I get to work out with the kids. You know, so I'm not just instructing them, all right, guys, it's time to do 15, 15 squats. After that, we're going to do 27 push-ups. I'm doing it with them, so I'm motivating them. And, and there's such a difference between telling them what to do and then actually showing them. I mean, the results are night and day. And I can just, you know, I'm, I'm working out with the kids every day now, and I'm seeing the growth, and I'm seeing the progress, and I'm seeing the inspiration and motivation that I'm you know, implanting inside of them. I, I'm, I'm noticing the growth, like they're getting hungrier. They're, they're enjoying working out more and more. And, and I'm kind of modeling, you know, the right way to do it. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it really, that, that's the best way to do it for me. That's, I get better results from the kids that way. And you got to practice what you preach. Like, like you said, you know, you can't be an art teacher and, and not be passionate about art. So, you know, I look at myself as almost like a fitness salesman fitness enthusiast salesman. My job, I'm selling the kids every day on fitness. But what makes a good salesman is not not selling because I believe in the product, yeah. the product of, of health and wellness. I believe in that. So I don't feel like I'm selling them on something they shouldn't do. I just believe it. Uh, I breathe it and it's nonstop with me. So, you know, I found my role kind of in, in life um, that makes me happy and what I think I'm good at. And, uh, you know, it's, it's working with, with kids. And Paul, what, what advice would you give to educators that, that, that can't be doing squats in, the, in their job, right? You know, this COVID-19 uh, has affected people in a lot of ways, right? People joking about the COVID-15 meaning your pounds. What advice would you give for those that maybe, again, can't do that in their work, but, you know, working fitness into their job because they're not moving as much as they used to? That's 100% accurate. You know, listen, people say they don't have time. You have time. You have time. You're just not, you're just not deploying it at the, right, at the right time. You know, like there's time in your day to get it done. And I know I didn't completely answer that last question. So I work out with the kids, you know, a um, couple periods throughout a day. But three to four times a week, I'm, I'm also doing weights at home or riding my bike or rollerblading or I just bought an elliptical machine. Like once the quarantine happened and we couldn't go to gyms, I started going crazy buying a bunch of home fitness equipment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, I try to, so I, my belief, and I, I'm fortunate to do it because I'm a phys ed teacher is I try to work out a little bit throughout the whole day, scattered a lot throughout the whole day yeah. from like early in the morning to all the way at night. But someone who doesn't have that time, like I said, you just got to make the time. You got to make the time. Um, even if it's for 20 minutes a day, people think they need to work out an hour a day. My wife does a 22 minute workout, like on beach body. It's great. That's all she needs to do is 20 minutes a day for, for three to four or five days a week. I mean, everybody's body's different. Everybody's going to respond differently, but you know, to get the ball rolling, to get starting, just got to place one foot in front of the other. That's the hardest part. Yeah. It's breaking the ice. And Paul, obviously you're very confident in your job, right? You're modeling this. How do you connect with the kid that maybe isn't in great shape or you know is a little embarrassed to run and take a layup or or do push-ups, right? How do you how do you motivate that that kid in your class without embarrassing them, right? They, you know, years ago, right? Yeah, come on, kids, get out. Like those days are over, right? How do you connect with that kid that maybe isn't in great shape? without making them feel poorly. Trying to instill confidence in them, trying to um, inject my enthusiasm in them and give them reassurance that they can. A lot of times they're, they're fearful that they, they can't. So I try to go sell them, and I'm not selling because I believe in them, yeah. that they can. Whether that's doing it one-on-one, um, -on -one, you know, away from the, big, the large group, um, going and taking them aside. But I was a heavy kid myself. You know, I used to weigh 280 pounds about 10, 13 years ago. Wow. Uh, I wasn't always heavy. I wound up putting on 100 pounds in my 20s, but then I lost 100 pounds in my 30s. So I can relate. Wow. You know, I can relate. Um, so that gives me good perspective. I, I feel like I can speak to a large, large audience of people. Yeah. And do you share that with the kids? Not much. Uh, there's been a few times where, where I, I said it. I'm so far kind of kind of removed from that and I'm into you know this this fitness lifestyle I just I just don't rehash it that much but in a sense where there's a, a kid who might be obese needs to relate to a story then I then I might you know bring that up sure sure well good for you for making those changes uh, Paul something else I wanted to ask you about you know I, I found that my job uh, as, a, as a college basketball official, had so many similarities to my job as a high school principal, you know, and, and it really, they, each role helped me. Like you said, being a podcast host helps me be a better teacher and vice versa. I found the same with officiating. You know, what are some similarities that you see in, in, the, in that job that has helped, again, either vice versa between the two of them? Yeah, there's so many similarities. I was thinking about this today between the sport and school dynamic, right? We have players, we have students, we have partners, we have co-teachers, we have administrators, we have observers, the signers, we have a mad coach, we have an angry parent, we have classes, we have games, we have professional development, we have camps. So back to that like blended, blended lifestyle, they go hand in hand. Um, and I, and I, so, so managing, right? Being able to manage a group of 40 students helps you go manage a, a game of 10 players, you know? So it definitely I've improved my man game management and communication reps there. So I, I think there's just a ton of, ton of similarities uh, between officiating and being a teacher. Yeah. 
I remember being on the court, right? And somebody would get a right call and then they would kind of just use a soft voice and they would, you know, and the, and the observer, whoever would say, you got to project your voice, but you could tell who the teachers are because they don't have a problem doing that. Sure. Yeah. That's interesting. All the little parts that you related a, a, a connection to. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar. It, it really is. So talk to me about that. I know that's something that educators struggle with sometimes, maybe that a parent that is elevated, right? They're passionate about their kid that something may or may not have happened. And, and people, again, if they're not exposure, being confident, going up to them, having strong body language, um, eye contact, showing, relating to them with your body language that you care and you're here to listen um, and hear them out, reassure them that you're here to listen and here to help. Um, and then after, you know, I hear them out, then I come back and, and I give them with the, the feedback, a feedback loop from what I, what I just heard and, and try to solve their problem you know whether it's a having to talk to a parent because the student was misbehaving in class you know a couple times where i've had an angry parent you know come up to me i try to stay calm right you don't meet fire with fire meet fire with ice so let them vent let them vent they start off at a two okay i hear you now all of a sudden i'm sorry they start off at a 10 then we get them down to a two and now we can conduct our conversation and have effective communication um, same thing as with a coach, you know, coaches screaming at you, you know, wanted a, wanted a foul coach, 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 coach. I'll say coach 12 times until they, <laughs> until they come down the, the coach, coach, coach. That's the attention grabber. I'm bringing them. I'm bringing them back down to my level. Coach, 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 coach. I'm right here. Just speak to me. Talk to me. What did you see on the last play? What got you upset? Let them speak. They were at a 10. Now they're at a five. Now they're at two. Okay, coach, I'll watch for it. Thanks a lot, ref. Now we're good. We're, we're ready to hit the line again. All in all in eight to ten seconds. That's it. Eight <laughs> to ten seconds. Disarm them. Right back yeah. to playing. Right back to the game. And, Paul, another thing that officiating helped me in my, my world as an educator was focusing, right? I'm not looking at this pandemic. Oh, my God, how am I going to do this till till June, right? How am I going to – you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at making today great, right? This period great. This conversation with this person great. You know, breaking it down, right? And officiating helped me focus mentally in those chunks of time. I know we spoke about that, but what would be some mental uh, trainings that that has helped you officiate that, that into the world of education? Some things about being mentally strong, preparing for the games, preparing for that forty minute of intense you know, struggle of the game. What would, what would be some mental uh, you know, strengthening points that you would say would translate to the, for an educator? Well, um, I don't, I don't believe in complaining. I think complaining is, is poison. So anytime you find yourself about to complain about something or about to get frustrated about something, you have to deploy self-talk, positive self-talk that's going to counteract that negative emotion that is starting to creep in, right? So it's constant, constant self-talk, constant positive, positive self-talk, reassuring that you're going to be successful. Um, you know, as far as as far as being locked in in the moment in the game, and how do you stay in the zone? Uh, I look at it like like when I was a player, right? Um, I was a really passionate player. Developed a pretty strong jump shot late in my men's league career. 
So I was actually <laughs> able to feel like what the zone felt like being in the zone, right? Where it's just you out on the court with the basketball and the rim. And that's it. So it's the same thing. I take that kind of player's approach into officiating where I'm just trying to always stay locked in, trying to stay in the zone, only concerned with what my task is and um, all my duties on hand in that moment. But, um, you know, I tell teachers to just to just be confident. This is what you do. You're you're a professional educator. Um, and don't be scared to, you know, like I said, go outside your comfort zone and take risks. Awesome advice, uh, Paul. You know, the people need to hear that, right? And uh, that's where those mentors and those people in our lives, right, that have helped us and have said that to us. Um, and I'm sure you've met a lot of mentors or made mentors through connections now doing your podcast, which is great. But I know your biggest mentor and your biggest fan is, is, is your dad, who had a, a big impact on your life and uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about some of the, the lessons that you've learned from your father and how he's helped you along the way? You know, becoming a, a father, I, I, uh, I'll hear from like my family members and people close to me, oh, you're such a good dad. And, and I'm grateful to hear that. But my, always, my initial response always is, I'm just trying to be half as good as my dad was to me. You know, I'm just trying to be half as good. I, I just think I'm, I come from a place of absolute gratitude. So I'm just blessed to be able to have my parents on this earth for 41 years. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have lived with them for 41 years, right? Um, my dad lost his leg. He got hit by a car uh, mm. when he was 18 years old. He had like, he had a, a, a blossoming sports career, baseball, football, tried out for the Yankees. So he got hit by, by a drunk driver and stopped his, stopped his, um, his sports career, right? Wound up being a lingering injury for him for 20 years wound up developing leukemia um, in 1990. So we located that, you know, right away or early on before it really spread. He went and he got his leg amputated, and this was in 1990. Um, and I just think of that, and it's like sometimes I forget that he's an amputee because he never complains. He does never, never even lets us know that he doesn't have a, a, a he only has one leg. So just to see that, and, you know, in sixth grade, seventh grade, just taught me mental toughness. You know, if this guy's standing here and he only has one leg, he can't walk as good as us. He can't really run any, anymore. I mean, he could jog a little bit, but he's not going to run, you know, run laps. Um, it just, you know, rubbed off on me that there's, there's nothing to complain about. And he was a guy who always put family first. Whatever the family needed, you know, that's what, that's what he was doing. Um, never bragged, never talked about himself. Um, so there's, you know, he was my coach growing up too. He coached me in basketball. He coached me in baseball. Um, so yeah, those are some of the biggest lessons I learned from my dad was he instilled the importance of family and love, uh, in me, number one, and, um, you know, mental toughness, not complaining, stuff like that. What an amazing story. And wow. Wow. You know, what fortitude from your dad to hear you are talking about that so many years later and uh, what a tragic injury. Um, listen, we're blessed. We're blessed to still have them. That's that's always where where I go. Just yeah. gratitude. Well, Paul, speaking of gratitude, I wanted to ask you about that too. We're we're all about a week away from Thanksgiving. This is a challenging time. I think it's important that we lead with gratitude. We model gratitude. You know, you mentioned your dad and your family. What are some other things that you, you're grateful here heading into thanks Thanksgiving? It's funny that. 
people only uh, talk about being grateful uh, one out of 365 days a year. You know, it's like we don't need one day out of a year to remind you, to, to help you remember all of the things that you need to be grateful for. It's Thanksgiving for me every day. I, I'm being serious. I, it may sound corny, but I never lose sight of that big picture perspective and that my, my gratitude is on steroids. Especially, I mean, 2020 has been a crazy year, right? COVID, everything. With all that, I'm alive. My family's good. I'm healthy. I have a job. There's nothing to complain about, right? So um, I just think people need a, a little bit better perspective in those micro moments. You know that life is precious, right, Andrew? You know that. Plenty of other people do. But how often do we forget that throughout a random day? How often do we forget that when someone honks at us on the road and we get frustrated? You know, so I don't need any reminders. I keep the big picture perspective in my pocket at all times, and that helps me get through frustrating moments. So looking forward to, um, you know, the holidays and going to do some traveling and go, go see uh, my family uh, coming up. So looking forward to that. Beautiful. And enjoy that time and certainly be safe. Paul, we're going to get to rapid fire here, uh, some quick questions. But before we do that, again, you're teaching the fitness, the crown refs. There's so many great things you're doing to help other people. You know, is there anything else that you wanted to share before we get to that uh, rapid fire? Um, this is something I've been thinking about. Maybe, maybe it can help one or two listeners. Um, I've been thinking about emotions, right, and all the different human emotions that we have. And just think of the emotions on a grand piano. Right, so we have every human emotion laid out on a grand piano. You're, you're the keyboardist, right? We have everything from happy all the way to sad and everything in between. You are the ones, like, we're in control of the keys. A lot of times people are playing angry keys, right? Angry. They're playing the frustration key, the bothered key, annoyed key, right? I want to I wanna only play the happy keys. Because it's a choice. I'm choosing. I'm choosing to play those keys. So I want to be like a virtuoso with the happy, the positive, the kind, the gratitude, like all of the positive emotions that you can think of. It's all a choice. Getting angry is a choice. You're, you chose to get angry. There might be a reason why you got angry, but the reason is just the excuse for you to say, I'm angry. Andrew, I will I woke up maybe a couple weeks ago and I said, I don't ever want to get mad again. I want to try to never get mad again for the rest of my life. I don't want to ever get frustrated again. I don't want to ever be bothered by another person again. Now, I have those little micro moments of it popping up and I, the chemicals, I feel it. But once you feel it, back to deploying that positive self-talk. I don't know. I, I, just think, I just think emotions are choices. So you get to choose what you want to feel. Be on that piano. And just go crazy playing those happy keys. Leave those, leave those dark keys alone. I love it. I agree with you. And it's a little easier for some people. If you get, if you get to that, if you find that vaccine, <laughs> let us know, Paul. <laughs> I got it here, man. I'm, I'm looking to mass produce it and ship it out to you as soon as possible. <laughs> awesome. That's a great concept. I appreciate you sharing that. I like the idea of the piano as well. Let's get to rapid fire, Paul. I know you got dinner with your family and, Things in front of you. Uh, last book you read? 
Oh, so yeah, I read a really, really good book uh, over this summer. A uh, great gentleman gave it to me. It's called uh, The Principle of Surviving and Thriving, 125 Tips uh, of Wisdom and Relatable Stories. But all honesty, uh, that was the last book I read. Okay. And I loved it. it was a great book. Um, thanks for that read. Yeah. I, love, I love quick hitters. I love golden nuggets. So this book delivered it for me. If you had asked me this, a question maybe four months ago, I might have to date back about five years to the last book, which was Verbal Judo, a great communication book I highly recommend. Cool. And I read uh, the superintendent from Chicago, who was a longtime ref in the Big Ten. His name is escaping me now. Uh, Mickey Crowley has an officiating book. Uh, okay. also wrote. Yes. Yeah, legend, legend. We'll share that off air. Uh, last movie you saw? I'm not a big movie guy, but I did... While I was editing, maybe I think your podcast, I was uh, watching my wife uh, watch Black Panther. So that was a great movie. <laughs> great movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Favorite place to travel? I, I would have to say, based on me going to Mexico four times, that Mexico would be my, my favorite place to travel. Riviera Maya, beautiful place right outside yeah. of Cancun. I also go to Long Beach, New York every summer. My cousin has a, uh, a summer home. So Mexico and Long Beach are my two top spots. I, you know, I love Long Beach. I, I think it's fantastic. It's great. Yeah. great. It's like a hidden gem of New York. It's it's a true vacation town in the New York metropolitan area. Not not a lot of people uh, know. Well, people know about it, but it's not as big as I think it should be. Correct. You know, yeah, it's not Long Beach. It's not Long Island. It's Long Beach. But it's uh, that's a cool spot. Cool. Um, and we talked about that motivating the kid in your peak. Paul, you mentioned about getting angry or upset. What is a pet peeve? What is something that gets to you? No pet peeves. What? And I was thinking about this. What? I was I was trying to answer your question. What's my pet peeve? Why do I have to have an answer? Does everybody need a trigger that they get upset on? I mean, I, I get it. Listen, I don't like going outside in the cold in the morning. That's not fun. There's yeah. plenty of things I don't enjoy. There's plenty of things I dislike. Uh, I just don't let it let it really affect me. But pet peeve, people that are unkind. Good answer. Yes, sir. Paul, let's say this, right? You know, when, when your daughter, when your wife are healthy, or that, you know, let's say, right, you have a, a tough incident at school during the day. Maybe your daughter has a cough, and now you got to go ref a game, right? You have some distractions going on in that game. How do you block those things out so you can focus on the game? The best focus strategy uh, when you need to dial in, especially when you got distractions. Be where your feet are. Be in the moment. You can only be one place at a time. We all have a million things going on, but you can only do what you're doing at that moment. So to pile on a million other things that are happening and what's going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen in a month, it's too much. Slow down. Just slow down one thing at a time. Everybody healthy? Ask yourself. Everybody good? Everybody healthy? Okay, good. Next. Everybody's healthy, then we're good. I love it. Be where your feet are. If you were the NCAA chairperson, what would be a rule you would uh, propose to change in college basketball? I got a good one right here, and I don't think anybody's ever said it. I'm going to be the first. We've allowed a lack of sportsmanship inside of, of, of a, the culture of officiating because it's in the rule book. You're allowed two technical fouls. So I would like to see one technical foul and you're ejected. If you're going to be a jerk, then you got to go. Right now, we're allowing you to be a jerk 
one time a game. Everybody gets to be a jerk once a game. We got, what, three assistant coaches on each side? That's six. We have 15 players. So what is that, 36 participants total? Everybody can be a jerk one time. Can't do it twice. You can do it once. How about we just raise the level of respect? You want to get a technical foul? No problem. Two shots, but you got to go. You're ejected. What do you think of that? Would it fly? I mean, why is there two? It's the uh, reason. It's the reason for the lack of sportsmanship. Because it's that's a great. That's a great point, right? And as a teacher, right, you know how to talk to kids who are discipline, you know, discipline or, or you know, acting inappropriately. But these are you know big kids and you know highly paid adults that are acting in that way. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would shake things up, baby. And I'll tell you what, coaches and players. Three years later, probably three years later, will come and thank the people for changing that rule because it allowed them to place 100% focus on their task at hand and not look backwards at a previous play or complain about something that was out of their control. It's, a, it's counterproductive to winning. I like it. Best purchase under 100 bucks that has had a great impact on your life. That would, be, that would undoubtedly be taking the officiating class in 2011. I believe it was about $100 uh, at the time, but definitely there's no other investment that really compares to that. N nothing under $100 is really going to stick, I don't know, stick with me that long, but that really stands out. It's been a, it's been a great platform for me taking the class. It's allowed me to, to grow and learn about the craft, meet so many other officials, and then you know evolve into Crown Refs as well. Love it. Uh, something about Paul Diaspora that people do not know about. I used to be a rapper and a producer wow. for about nine years of my life. I went to school um, at my undergrads. My, my, my master's degree is in physical education. My undergrad is in studio production wow. from Purchase College. So I graduated Purchase College in 2004, um, got there in 2000. Uh, met a rap group, that, a local rap group. Guys were from you know New York area, so it was four of us. Um, so we were, we, you know, we were locked in. I, I thought I was gonna be in the record industry. Definitely five years out of my life, I thought I was gonna have a long career in the record industry. But it's the best thing in the world that it didn't happen because I wouldn't recommend anybody going going the record industry. But um, definitely having that 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 production background has helped me podcasting. I never I never thought that the production background would would help me with officiating. You know, I, I finally tied those two together. Yeah. So everything happens for a reason. Your passions are all coming together. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. definitely. It all came together at the right time. Yeah. And how are your rhyming lyrics here? I mean, you know, you, are you, were you I, good? I, was, I mean, I'm not going to give you anything now, but just take my word for it. I was a, I was a purebred, purebred lyricist. And, uh, <laughs> Made my own beats because, you know, I started rapping and didn't have any beats to rap over. So I just bought the equipment. Next thing you know, I got inspired. I was like, Dad, I want to change my major. No more basketball. I want to go into um, studio production. I want to live the music life. So, you know, did that for about eight years. Made a lot of songs. Traveled a little bit. You know, met some famous people. Was on the brink of getting signed a few times. And just blessed that it didn't happen because I'm so happy where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, I know you've watched if with your daughter Alexia. I know you've watched uh, Hamilton. You must be a fan of Hamilton. Then. 
That's a great, great movie. I actually did see that while I was uh, editing a podcast. I, I, was, I didn't get that much editing done because I kept watching Hamilton. Just a great mixture of like history, hip hop, and art. It was really well done. And the lyrics, we love it. My kid, you know, every word to every song, I'm a little bit behind, but I'm almost there. <laughs> the lyrics are incredible in Hamilton, yeah. no doubt. Cool. Paul, again, educator, New York City, best COVID advice that you would give to others? Um, not watch the news, take precautions, right? Take your proper precautions, but you know, uh, don't watch. I would recommend not, not to pay too much attention to the news because it's just a lot of negative narratives and a lot of scary stories that wind up affecting people throughout their day. Um, and I think fear winds up being the, the major virus, right? Fear is false evidence appearing real. A lot of times we fear stuff. Most of the time, we fear what's never going to happen. So I would just tell people to, to, to really try their best to not be fearful and stay optimistic that we're going to get through this time. This is a moment in history, whether it's one year, whether it's three years, we're all going to look back at this time. You know, um, we're going to get through it. So I would just, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, take the proper precautions. But we're going to get through this. It's got to be hopeful. Wow. Well, this was very inspiring. I, I feel uplifted. Your energy, your enthusiasm, your positive outlook uh, is contagious. How can people get in touch with you? I know you got a lot on social media. People are interested in your production, your podcast, listening and learning more. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, everything is at Crown Refs. So Instagram, Crown Refs, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Crown Refs, Crown Refs at Gmail. Dot com. You can find the podcast on all streaming services, Anchor FM, uh, Spotify, iTunes. Just type it into Google. Crown Refs, into Google. Google's your best friend. You did it'll, it'll teach you anything you want to know. Just type, it in. Just type it in. You did a great job, Paul. This Paul, the aspiring New York City teacher. You hang tight here, Paul. I'm going to try to cue up this music while I got the production guy here. And uh, signing off here on Education Leadership Beyond. This was show number 146. Again, grateful to Paul for being on, and uh, I'm going to cue this music up. Thanks so much. I'm at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. If I could help you in any way, you need a speaker, you need a, a workshop presenter, I'm your guy. Talk to y'all soon. All right, let's cue this up. I got production issues, Paul. There we go. There we go.